0: God, you need to do something special in our hearts and our lives and, and and what what you need to say today, um, I can speak words, but it 's going to be the spirit of God that 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 allows the presence of the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and and allow it to to work deeply in us. so God, I pray that you do a deep work in our lives today. we pray in Jesus name, amen, amen again, gentlemen, it is valentine 's day tomorrow. I thought I would give you a friendly reminder. Reminds me a story of a children's pastor who was doing a little uh, children's service and a children's sermon. And she basically, on the the 14th of February, as she's talking about it, she tells the kids that Valentine is a day that we honor the people that we love. And at the end of her little sermonette, she hands out a blank Valentine card for the kids to work on with this instruction. And I quote, give the card to your parents or someone you like. So hopefully you like your parents, and hopefully you have a good Valentine's. Um, for those of, uh, who are just joining us and those who are joining online, we're continuing uh, a series uh, having to do with lessons from a guy named uh, Jacob. And character studies are interesting because it allows us to go a little bit deeper. Many times, you will, for those who read their Bible regularly... Um, you'll be reading over the story of Jacob, and it kind of happens over uh, maybe, you know, 10 chapters of Scripture, and that might be just one or two days in your devotions, and you're already kind of through it and onto something else. But if you can take the time to observe what actually is going on, and some of the things that are happening in the culture, and some of the things that God is actually doing through some of the smallest things that are said— what it does is it allows God to work in challenge. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping uh, is, is happening today. That, that sometimes when we have character studies, we will learn lessons. Sometimes we see ourselves either way. I believe that God will challenge us. For those of you who don't know who Jacob is, he is kind of the third in line of the blessing that had come down from God uh, to create a nation that will bless the whole world. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so Jacob kind of continues on in the process. And, and um, Jacob eventually gets known as Israel. And the whole story of Jacob centers on the round of the story of him going from Jacob, which is called the grabber or the deceiver, into Jacob, the one who strives with God. And we are on that same journey. And so last week we talked a little bit about Esau. Um, and so what it talks about many times... It centers around this blessing that God gives to Abraham to make a nation of him and to and provide a land and, and, and that they would become a blessing to the whole world. And, and this blessing becomes huge. As a matter of fact, it becomes the centerpiece of the whole book of Genesis about the blessing. And... What people do, the drama of Genesis is, is what people do when that blessing is threatened. So, what I want to do is, I want to focus on and what did Rebecca do, and what did their twin children, Jacob and Esau, do? Um, one person, a pastor, a great writer, if you ever get a chance to hear him, his name is Lee Ekov, he was a pastor for over 40 years. He's just recently retired. And as he was putting his thoughts together and doing a study on it, he talked about manhandling the blessing. I thought that that was well articulated. And as I was taking some of his thoughts and kind of reading over some of his notes, that, uh, I, I thought, boy, that probably articulates it well. Do you ever manhandle the blessing of God? Do you ever kind of try and manipulate it? Do you ever try and take a look at it and try and bend it a little bit or try and get take matters into your own hands and, and, and allow that blessing to work most efficiently for you where you are without even being changed at all? Listen, I want your blessing, God, but I don't know if I want your change. And so this is seen all the time. And this is important because we all want the blessing. The blessing we see in Abraham happens. It's called the the Abrahamic covenant happens in Genesis chapter 12, where God actually makes a covenant with Abraham. And he begins to talk to him, and, and he, 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 he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you, and I'm going to provide this land for you, and you're going to bless all the nations. And, and everyone who associated with Abraham realized that there was something about him. So it made me ask, what is the blessing like today? Is it any different today? Well, God eventually used Abraham's seed to bring about the Messiah. And, the, and the, the blessing that we receive today is something which is important. But I began to ask myself, if I were to say, what is the blessing of God? The answer that you give me may not be the answer that I have in my head. What do you think of when you think of the blessing of God? Like for some of us, it might be health or success or how I deal with others or good relationships, advancement. Um, uh, good favor with God. And those are all wonderful things. But if they really considered what it means to be blessed by God. You're blessed by God when you first realize that you're a sinner. And you realize that you can't make it to heaven by yourself. You can't right the boat yourself. And so you decide to give your life to Jesus and he becomes your savior. And then we go from being an enemy... To a son or a daughter. He becomes our friend, an advocate, our Savior, our Lord. The Bible says that we become rich in every way in 2 Corinthians 9-11. We become part of a spiritual family and the identity of that family is found by how much we love one another. We, we begin to have a peace that passes all understanding. We have a joy which is called unspeakable and full of glory. Peter goes on to say we have this thing called a living hope. And he becomes our peace that breaks down every wall. And we enjoy the love of God, and yet we extend the love of God. And as we operate in this blessing that God has, we no longer have a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and sound mind. We're able to cast down every evil imagination and tearing down of strongholds. And God gives us spiritual armor, says in Ephesians chapter 6. And eventually he molds us into his image. And we're given a purpose-driven life. Jesus says that he gives us life to the full. First Peter says that we become a, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if that's not enough, he gives us the hope of eternal life. That the second that you close your eyes in death and open your eyes, you are in the presence of Jesus. Tell me you're not blessed if you know Jesus. That is the blessed life. And despite all that, all we have is just a shadow of what God wanted to give us. And so let's read together Genesis chapter 27. And now I was going to put it on the teaching TV, but it's like 38 verses. And I was just too tired to do it. So if you have your, your, your Bible apps, or if you have your physical Bibles... Remember those physical Bibles that actually had words and pages that you turned? Maybe you're here, you have one of those. Genesis chapter 27. Interesting story for those of you who have, have been a Christian for any length of time. You know the story well. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see... He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son... Here I am, he said. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and your bow and go out to the open country to hunt for some wild game to, uh, for me. Pre- prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, I've kind of figured this out. I think he's about 130 years old when this takes place. He dies at 165. Even though he's about to die, he lives another 35 years. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Anyways, let me go on. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt for game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give... You, my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and, and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can compare, prepare some tasty food for your father just in the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob says to, to Rebekah, his mother, my brother Esau is a hairy man. While I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? Would it appear he sh- to be tricking him? And would, wouldn't it bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing? And his mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go and get them for me. And so he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the choice clothes of Esau's older brother's son and when he had when she had in the house and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and smooth part of his neck with goatskins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread that she had made. He went to her father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked him, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near me so I can touch you, my son, and know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac and touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son, Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him, and he ate and brought brought some of the wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him, and Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, and he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. And may may nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and and may your sons and your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and let those who bless you be blessed. And after Isaac blessed him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And they said to him, my father... (laughs) I'm your son, he answered your firstborn Esau. Isaac, trembling violently, said, Who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I heard his father's word, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, is and he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he came, has taken my advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's going to take my blessing. And he said, haven't you received any blessing for me? And Esau answered, er, Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all of his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept aloud. We'll stop the story there an incredible story. The drama is incredible, isn't it? And so we we take a look at four people and how they manhandle the blessing. But each one of them kind of manhandles the blessing in a different way. And I think we learn four lessons. The first one is this. That you manhandle God's blessing on your life when you choose your own way above God's. Certainly this was the case with Isaac. Now, Isaac was a person, and an interesting carry, because he was blessed by God. And he sees God move and recognizes the importance of blessing and being passed on, that blessing being passed on to a godly heritage. Now, he knew the prophecy that was already given at the birth of his two sons, that the younger would serve the older, that the younger one was to be blessed and the older one was to not. Not only that, he probably already knew that he had despised his birthright. He treated his birthright like garbage. He knew that. Not only that, Esau goes on to marry a bunch, uh, a couple of girls that were so detestable to the parents that it actually says in the scriptures that they were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. In short, he knew that Esau had no interest to bless. Esau, Esau was the favorite, despite the signs that he had no intention on following Yahweh. It's never stated in Scripture, but if you read between the lines, basic you, basically you hear Isaiah saying this, or sorry, Isaac saying this. I really don't care what God wants. I want what I want. I really want my will to be God's will, not God's will to be my will. And what we will do is we will kind of combine scriptures or we will somehow figure a way to do some mental gymnastics to sear the conscience so that we can do things like this. You ever notice when you take a look at this passage, there is a term that is used all the time. Tasty food. You ever notice that? There's probably six times, and I didn't count them, but there's probably six times where it talks about Making tasty food. As a matter of fact, when you first hear about um, uh, Esau and Jacob, it basically says that Isaac liked Esau because he enjoyed the fact that he made a really good supper for him. Kind of interesting, isn't it? He chose the physical advantages over the godly advantages. Everything spiritual and noble and important became overshadowed by the personal preference and the physical appetite. It's a great quote. basically says this. Be careful what you choose to overlook in your life lest you go blind to God. He was going blind physically. He had gone blind spiritually. There are multiple reasons why Isaac knew that Esau should not receive the blessing of God even if Esau brought home tasty food. None of that mattered to Isaac. He had gone grown blind to holiness. And we do as well. If what we want becomes more important than what God wants. Does that make sense? When you, when you prioritize life by your senses. When God's word no longer becomes your final word. When it becomes about you. You are no longer fit to receive or give the blessings of God. And as you take a look at your life spiritually. Is there things that you have become blind to? Have the personal and physical goals overshadowed the spiritual ones? Ouch. Is the rest of the sermon going to be like this? Yeah, kind of. It's okay. Manhandling the blessing of God. There's another thing. We manhandle God's blessing on our life. Are you manhandling God's blessing on your life? When impatience leads to self-reliance. Now, if you take a look at the life of Rebecca, you kind of see that all of a sudden she became impatient. And when she became impatient, she had more faith in herself than she had in God. Now, this isn't the case when we first hear of Rebecca. Rebecca can't get pregnant. And so she gets her husband, Isaac, to pray to God for a child. And God answers her prayer. And while she's in her pregnancy, there's so much turmoil which is going on that she inquires of the Lord And the Lord gives her a prophetic word as to what is going to happen and what is taking place and reveals to her that Jacob is the one who is going to get the blessing. And so this is all going very well. This is all going in the way that they wanted it to have until it appears and she overhears that her bullheaded husband is going to ruin things. God's will is not going to happen. Therefore, she forms an audacious plan, a crazy plan. The best word to describe it is cockamamie. you love that word? Cockamamie? How did anyone invent that word? I bet you it was probably a mother who was frustrated with her kids, and it just came out. What is going on here? What cockamamie plant do you have that's torn my house apart? You guys go to bed, clean up and go to bed. Mom, it's only 2 o'clock. I don't give a care. You're going to bring me to an early grave with this cockamamie plant. Cockamamie. Let's all say it. Cockamamie. Cockamamie. It was a crazy plan. And not only is it a crazy plan. She lassoes her own grown son to become part of it. And it is amazing the lengths that we go to to make the will of God happen. If you look at the story, Jacob's not really in favor of doing it. Hey, mom, don't you think this is kind of crazy? I don't look like Esau. I don't smell like Esau. I don't feel like Esau. I don't feel. I don't have texture as him. What if this backfires? I get cursed. Let the curse fall on me. Never mind that, Jacob. We are going to make sure that God's will happens. As a matter of fact, I am sure that this is God's will. Therefore, everything will be okay. Will it be okay? Some of the things that I read as I was kind of studying this, one person said that she lost her grip on respect, on honesty, on love. It says here that Rebecca um, surrenders everything God values in a person to get God's blessing. It's not that she. It's not that she um, had any kind of problems in terms of in terms of. Uh, um trying to do something but it is the kind of action that Rebecca took that was wrong the environment she creates is toxic with deceit manipulation, disrespect you ever wanted to give God a hand it's not really going, it's not kind of the way you thought the will of God should be going, it's not the way the blessings of God should be coming my way, I better do something, I better do something about that and if Rebecca's life shows anything, it is that she trusted in God until push came to shove. From that point, she had more faith in herself than she did in her God. Which makes me ask a question. Can, someone, can somebody ruin what God has promised? What would have happened if she didn't act? If she can't see another way to solve a problem, do we assume that God can't see it either? And she was fighting for God's blessing, while caring nothing for God's honor. She didn't trust in the Lord with all her heart. She leaned on her own understanding. In all her ways, she did not acknowledge him, and God was not able to direct her path. Does that sound familiar? Probably one of the most popular passages of Scripture, isn't it? You know, Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verses 5 and 6. You know, that verse can be reduced into four words. Ten letters pretty well which basically says this, let God do it. We have a hard time sometimes letting God do it. And we will never know what would have happened. But I can almost guarantee you it would have been a lot better for Jacob and for Rebecca if they would have allowed God to do what we know that he could do. And in the end, Isaac and Esau, who are a couple of scoundrels, Look like they are the victims in this role. And when you continue to take a look at Rebecca's life, what happens? Jacob has to go. Her favorite son moves away and she never sees him again. By the time he comes back, she's long gone. As a matter of fact, there is no record of her obituary, which is kind of a sign of disrespect. That was it. That was the end of Rebecca. You. Man handle the blessing when impatience comes in to the point where you want to manipulate it yourself. You manhandle God's blessing on your life also when you take God out of the equation. At least that's what Esau tried to do, isn't it? We kind of learned about him last week. He said he, he despised, he despised, he, he treated that, that um, blessing, the birthright, sorry, like it was garbage, But if that's the case, why is he so upset when Isaac actually blesses Jacob? Why does he go and kill an animal and prepare a meal? Did he forget that he gave it up? Obviously not. And the Bible goes on to say that he wept bitterly. It says that he wailed. This doesn't sound like a guy who doesn't want the blessing. He's so angry he makes plans to kill his brother. Seems kind of crazy. But as I take a look at this passage... It becomes obvious to me, and should become obvious to you, that God was never, ever going to give Esau the blessing. Esau wanted the perks of the blessing, but not the God of the blessing, and therefore God couldn't bless him. He thought for some reason he could extricate God from the blessing. He never realized that the blessing, that the God was the blessing. That's the same today, isn't it? Sometimes we just want the blessing, I don't know if we want the God of the blessing, we want the stuff but it's not the stuff it is the god who gives us the stuff you never really experience the blessing of god if you never truly give yourself to god and it is true that people can receive things good things many times those good things that we receive come from the fact that we live in a world where there is a good god but you'll never ever receive the blessing That God wants to give you until you absolutely give him. And I've seen it time and time again. People coming into the church, sticking for a little while, trying to receive this blessing, all these things that they've heard of. But never really actually giving God the life. And if you're here, and if you're listening, and if you're wondering about Christianity, here's the thing. You have to give him everything. You need to surrender your all at the altar in order for God to be able to come and do the things that he wants to do in your life. Many who profess a faith and when things go wrong, they bail and they say, I tried God, but it wasn't really that. It was that they tried to glean the blessings of God without actually giving him their life. That you, you will um, uh, manhandle the blessing when you take God out of the equation. Here's the last one. You manhandle God's blessing in your life when you sacrifice your integrity to get it. And thus we have Jacob. Now, you may not have noticed it, but in the first part of, uh, of Genesis, as he is, is uh, approaching his, his father to get the blessings, from verses 18 to 27, there are six times where Isaac expresses suspicion, and each time he draws Jacob deeper into the lie. Who is it? Your son Esau. Give me a hug. Well, I guess you smell like him. Come over here. Let me feel your hand. Well, you kind of feel like him. Are you sure it's the voice of Jacob? But it smells, it feels like him. Okay, I'll bless you. Are you sure you're Esau? Are you sure? Yeah, I did. Deceit always makes you someone else, someone false. Every time you walk away from integrity, you lose a bit of yourself. A little more of you is lost. It's George Eliot that said, Our deeds determine us as much as we determine our deeds. Integrity is an important thing. Integrity is who you are when no one is looking. Integrity is when the person on Sunday is the same person on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday when the person at church is the same person at work, the same person at home. Integrity is when I go to talk to your kids and you're okay with that, when I ask them about how you are. You say, that's okay. They're going to tell me that, that, that I'm the same person. If someone interviews your kids, are they going to see the same person that you project yourself to be? Integrity and identity go hand in hand. And it leads us to ask an important question today. Who are you? Who are you? Despised his birthright, but Jacob despised his integrity. He treated his integrity like it was garbage. And Jacob does get the blessing, but it causes him a lot of pain, and the Lord draws him closer, but it is a painful process for Jacob. Jacob. And although the blessing follows him, so does a lot of heartache. He gets the girl that he wants, but he gets fooled into having to marry someone else. And he works for free. His livestock eventually increases, and God does, but there's like, there's like a couple of decades where he works for free against his brother Laban. And he has the 12 kids, but basically they deceive him. And a whole bunch of terrible things happen to the point where all of a sudden Jacob is, Jacob is before Pharaoh. And the thing that he says to Pharaoh is that his days were few and difficult. It kind of goes, the Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9 it says, That the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Or Proverbs chapter 21 verse 3. It says, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. If we have to sin to get the blessing, I think we've lost our way. So the question I have for you this morning, the challenge that Genesis chapter 27 gives us is this. What do you do when you feel the blessing slipping away from you? What do you do in those times where you just don't feel so close to God and you're thinking that things are kind of going in the wrong direction? Of these four characters, which is the one that maybe represents you the most? Which of these four are you the most danger of becoming? And as we come out of this pandemic with optimism and with all the the plans and, and things that we have in our head to do, we have to ask ourselves, who will you decide to be? Who, as we come out of this pandemic, who will. Blessing of God means everything. Blessing of God to live it fully happens best when we take our hands off steering wheel, wouldn't you say? I tried to find a story, uh, a Valentine story. You know, he's, February 23rd, Mike, you better talk about love or at least have a story about love. I came across a story of a, a, a counselor, a mental health counselor, a dating consultant. Her name was Samantha Burns. And uh, she calls herself the millennial love expert. And uh, she says, you, need, you should be able to wear your wedding dress whenever you want. And it's kind of one of the things that she says. And so she got this from the fact that she got married on, I believe it was August the 10th. And the evening she has it, she's she's putting it away, and she she just feels, you know, it's kind of, I can't accept the idea of wearing my favorite gown only once in my life. And then she turns to her husband, and she says, You know what? On August 10th next year, I'm putting this wedding dress on again. And he thought she was joking when he first told him. And then she said, he surprised me with a trip on our first anniversary, and I told him to make sure I'd be able to wear my dress to whatever we are doing. And he laughed. I brought the dress along with me. So on her first anniversary, she, uh, she was true to her word, wearing her dreading dress. She was hitting golf balls on the driving range. On her third anniversary, she wore it on a sunset cruise. Or sun, yeah, sunset cruise in Boston Harbor. It says It was Wednesday night. Nobody was around, so we had to dance the floor, the dance floor to ourselves with live music. It's like a mini wedding all over again. And she goes on to talk about the fact that it really isn't about her wedding dress capades. It is about if you really love someone, you want to be able to cultivate the relationship. That's a great story. Did I say I love Jesus with every ounce of my being? I love Jesus with every part of me. But over the last couple of months, what have I been doing to cultivate the love of God? What have I been doing to pursue God? God, you have blessed me so much. There's so many wonderful things. There are so many wonderful things about the blessing, Lord. That even if I got no money, even if, even if there was no other perks that kind of happened outside of that, would certainly be enough. To know you is enough. God, help me to love you with all of my heart. Help me, Lord, to live in the blessing. Just live in the blessing. To allow you to have full reign of my life. And to allow me to let you do whatever you need to do in my life because your word tells me that you don't withhold any good gift. So God, I just pray over each and every one in this congregation. I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the touch of God. I pray for the anointing of God to rest upon our households. I pray for every single father here who leads their homes. God, let them lead with integrity. Let the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, let us raise ourselves up as men to be who you called us to be. Lord, we just want to give you thanks. We want to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.